Thanks, guys. Well, it was this past fall that Pastor Matt gave, thought it would be a good idea. He, he gave all the staff members this survey to fill out that helps us to be able to evaluate what we're doing at church, and we have made some changes. And that value, that, that survey uh, was of value to me because it made me start to think once again, why do we do what we do? What are we really all about? And is our mission statement still applicable for today? As a result, I want to share over these next three weeks what we value. First, we value world missions. First and foremost, that's what we're going to speak on today. Secondly, we value the ministry of the local church. That will be next week. Two weeks from today, I'll be talking about how we value people. And because we value world missions, because we value the ministry of the local church, and because we value people, we will still reach out to all with hope and healing. There are many people in this world today who are hurting, who are in need of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we take a look at Romans Chapter 8, starting with verses 13, 14, and 15, in a message, we value world missions. Everyone, not just some. And that's why we reach out to all, because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then the writer to the Romans asks four important questions. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? Tonight... In our evening service, we have one who will be with us, whom we have sent down to Argentina and now is in uh, Finland, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. Steve Wallace, he and his wife, great missionaries. How can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them. That bring good news. You may be seated. When our forefathers of the Assemblies of God gathered in Hot Springs, Arkansas in April of 1914, they addressed Five subjects that were 
important. Five subjects that constituted the reason for proposing the organization of the Assemblies of God. I don't know if you know, but the Assemblies of God was established in 1914. And they came together for these five reasons. First, they said, let us come together as in Acts chapter 14, which is very interesting, to study the word, to pray with and for each other. Unity is our chief aim. Now, if you don't know Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14 is Paul's first missionary journey. When he's in Iconium, it says that he spoke the word boldly and the Lord confirmed the message by enabling them to do signs and wonders. From Iconium, they went down to Lystra and Paul saw a man who had been crippled from birth and saw that he had faith to be healed. And Paul told him to stand up. And this man who had been crippled from birth stood up and began to jump and walk around. And then from there they went to Derby in Acts chapter 14. And it says that they preached the word and won a large number of followers to the Lord. The reason they came together our forefathers, to establish the assemblies of God. Part of the reason was because of Paul's first missionary journey. Secondly, again, we come together that we may know how to conserve or how to protect the work. That we may all build up and not tear down. And I thought this was interesting, both in home and where? On foreign lands. Third, we come together for another reason, that we may get a better understanding of the needs of each foreign field. If you kept reading on, it talked about how they were concerned that not all support went to one mission field, while another field got neglected, but they could treat all missionaries alike. The fourth reason was for legal matters that saints had felt the need to charter the churches of God in Christ and put them on a legal basis. And that's how we, we, we became chartered. And number five I thought was important. That we may have a proposition to lay before the body for a general Bible school training. That they proposed to have a Bible school training. What I think is so interesting is 106 years later, the Assemblies of God have over 200, uh, uh, 2,500 Bible schools, extensions, and seminaries and are currently preparing uh, over 170,000 students for ministry. From one in 1914 to propose in just 106 years to see that we have now over 2,500 training centers. A week ago Thursday on January 2nd, I don't know if you saw at 8 o'clock when Michael Strahan interviewed Alex Trebek. Did anybody see that interview? I thought it was very fascinating. And Alex Trebek said something that I want to quote that has been just resonating in my mind. He says, and I quote, I have learned something in the past year 
and it's this. We don't know when we're going to die, he said. But because of this cancer diagnosis, it's no longer an open-ended life. It's a closed-ended life because of the terrible survival rate of pancreatic cancer. What Alex Trebek went on to say was this. That because his life has moved from an open end and not knowing when he was going to die to now a closed land, knowing that death is imminent. He says it's provided an opportunity for people to share with him the impact worldwide he has made on people's lives. He says, otherwise I would never have heard from them. If you knew that your life here on earth was eminent. Think about that. If your life, in the words of Alex Trebek, went from an open life to a closed life, and you knew life on earth was eminent, what would you say to your loved ones? What challenges, what encouragement would you give to those whom you're going to leave behind. We see this in Scripture. We see Jacob, when he died, he got all his sons together and he gave them his blessing. In Acts chapter 8, when Stephen is being stoned, he prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. And then Scripture says he knelt down to the ground and he uttered these last words before his death, and do not lay this sin upon them. How many know last words are important to hear? Our resurrected Lord had that opportunity. Right before Jesus left this earth, are you aware of the words he uttered to his disciples? Here are the words according to Mark. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. In Matthew's account, Matthew says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said in Matthew's account. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you always, even till the very end of the age. Not only because of the Lord's last words. Not only because if you think about four of the five reasons why the assemblies of God were formed was because of missions. We value missions because of the command from above to go into all the world. When I use the word command, I, I think of the word, it's, it's a mandate. We have been mandated by God himself to go into all the world. Let me just share with you a couple statistics of the Assemblies of God. Now, just remember that the Assemblies of God have been 
an organization for just a short, brief 106 years. That's not a long time. 106 years is not a long time as a religious organization. But in 106 years, we are in 190 countries. I don't know if you knew that. The Assemblies of God have a presence in 190 countries and 66 providences and territories. We have 2,668 missionary units. 2,668 missionary units. And when I say units, that means families. A family could be made of three or four, but it's considered as one. Now check this out. In North America, we have 3.5 million people who are constituents who consider themselves to attend Assembly of God Church of the 14,200 churches in North America. In Europe, 1.8 constituents with 11,112 churches. In Eurasia, 2 million with 26,000 churches. In Northern Asia, that's China. They can't even calculate because of the underground church. There are no statistics available. In Latin America, 27 million point eight, 26, 27.8 million with 209,569 200, churches. Africa, 19 million, 82,000. Asia Pacific, 6.2 million, 32,586 churches. And as I looked over the report of the Assemblies of God and I saw those statistics, you know what that tells me? That our forefathers took the mandate, took the command of the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all the world. They took it seriously. To think that in just 106 years, the Assemblies of God now are at worldwide constituents, 69.2% million people we value missions I value missions first because of the command from above of God saying go second we value missions because of the cry from below you say pastor what do you mean the cry from below in Luke chapter 16, we, we read of this interesting story of a rich man who was dressed in a purple Armani suit who lived in luxury every day. Well, it may not say Armani, but it does say he was dressed in purple. And his clothing was of fine linen. And it says that he lived in luxury every day. Outside his gates was a beggar by the name of Lazarus. And the Bible says that Lazarus longed to eat what fell from the master's table. Just the crumbs. The Bible also says that Lazarus had sores all over his body. And dogs would come and lick his sores. 
As you read on in the account, it says the day came when the beggar Lazarus died. And he was carried up to heaven alongside of Abraham, along, along Abraham's side. And it also says that the rich man died. And he was taken to hell where he was in torment. As you read the story, the rich man looked up and saw Abraham far away with that beggar who stood outside his gates alongside of him, Lazarus. And the rich man called up to Abraham. He, he called on Abraham for pity and he said, please send Lazarus, please send him down just to, to dip his finger in some water and, and to touch my tongue for I'm in agony because of this fire. And Abraham said these words, if you remember in life, you had it good. And Lazarus had it bad. Don't miss the principle that's being operated here. The principle of sowing and reaping. How many know that what you sow is what you're going to reap? And then Abraham went on to explain that between you and us is a big chasm that we can't cross. That even if you wanted to come to us, you can't. And even if we wanted to come to you, we, we can't. There's this chasm that exists that, that separates. And then we read these words in Scripture. In the 27th verse of the 16th chapter. The rich man says, please. Pretty, pretty please. Well, he actually begged. Then I beg you, Father. Send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers let him warn them so they will not also have to come to this place of torment. Please. And Abraham says that's why they have Moses and the prophets. That's why we have preachers and missionaries and disciples. I may know that there comes a time when it's too late. Besides all this, between us, there's this great chasm. So that those who want to go from here to you cannot, and for anyone can, nor can anyone cross over from there to, to us. Sometimes I think. We live in a fairy tale fantasy that we, when we die, we all live happily ever after. Do you know what I'm saying? But I believe in missions. 
Because there is a cry from below. Listen, there, there comes a period in life where it's too late. When you die, it's too late to decide where you want to spend eternity. It's too late. Therefore, the words of Paul to the church at Corinth echo in my mind. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, today is the day of salvation. Confess Jesus Christ with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that he, raised you, uh, he was raised from the dead and thou shalt be saved. Saved from eternal torment and punishment in a place where you're separated from God for out eternity. People say, why do you believe in missions? Why do we value missions? Because there's a command from above to go. And there's a cry from below. And there's a call from afar. In Acts chapter 16, Paul is on his second missionary journey. And we know that Silas is with him. We know that Timothy is with him. And I'll show you that I believe Luke is with him in a minute. And as you read Luke, uh, Acts chapter 16, it, it says that they were in Phrygia and Galatia, in the area of Phrygia and Galatia. But then it says that they were kept from by the Holy Spirit. They were kept by the Holy Spirit from entering or from preaching in Asia, the region of Asia. They were kept. For some reason, the Holy Spirit would not allow them to. So they went down to um, Bithynia, down to Mysia, down to the, the borders of Mysia. And, to, and it says that they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus kept them from entering. So they went to Troas. And as they were in Troas, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us, please help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called them, called us, meaning Luke too, wrote the writer of Acts, to preach the gospel to them. Charles Spurgeon, in his letter to his students, says this, and I quote, God sometimes tells a man in their sleep the secrets they could not discover while they were awake. Sometimes God tells man secrets in his dreams that they could not otherwise discover while they were awake. This man called and asked for help. And what did Paul conclude? That the gospel of Jesus Christ needed to be presented to them. Listen, the greatest need that people have today is the message of Jesus Christ. No matter what need they be, there's no greater need than telling people about Jesus. 
That's why we value missions. That's why I believe we continue to reach out to all with hope and healing. Let us never forget that Jesus is still the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way. I won't ask you for a raise of hand, but think of our own congregation. I, I know the congregation pretty well, but I know that there are people sitting in our congregation who came because you were hurting, whether from a relationship, whether from another church, whether physically, whether financially, whether spiritually, you came hurting. But you know what I'm fearful of? Unlike the man of Macedonia who yelled, come over and help us, please help us, there are people who have so much pride that we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to the silent cry of help. Do you know how many people are out in this world today who are hurting, who are lonely, who are rejected, who are down, who have so much pride they won't say, help me, help me. But we need to be sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, to the silent cry of help that we continue to reach out to all with hope and healing. Why? Because we value missions. We value the ministry of the local church. And we value people. We value mission because there is a call from afar. Come over and help us. Please help us. We value missions because there is a cry from below. Could you go to my family and warn them so they don't have to come to this place of torment? We value missions because there's a command from above that tells us to go. And last, we value commissions, missions, I value missions, because of a compelling, a compelling within. In 1886, a fellow by the name of Dr. John Pemberton introduced the first Coca-Cola to Atlanta, Georgia. This pharmacist in his backyard in a brass kettle with just three legs concocted this caramel color substance would transport this liquid in a jug down the street to Jacob's Pharmacy, and it became so popular instantly that they started to sell it for five cents a glass. Now, if you read the surveys of today, 97% of the world's population has heard of Coca-Cola. 
72% of the world's population has seen either a can or a bottle of Coke. And 51% of the world's population has tasted Coca-Cola. All due to the fact that the company made a commitment years ago. And here was their mission. That everyone on the planet of earth would taste their soft drink. Now we should stand up and take note of that. 97% of the world's population has heard of this sugary, watery concoction. While 1.7 billion people today still do not have an adequate witness of who Jesus Christ is. Statistics tell us that 17 billion people die every year without an adequate witness of who Jesus is. 17 billion. So in my mind, I started to realize if there are 525,600 minutes, right? 525,600 minutes in one year. If you do the math, it, it comes out to this. 32.3 people die every minute without an adequate witness of Jesus Christ. Now let's take it one step further. If there are 30 seconds in a minute, and 32 people die every minute without an adequate witness. That means every two seconds, someone just died with an inadequate witness of Jesus Christ. Every two seconds, someone leaves planet Earth without an adequate witness of knowing who Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but I think of the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians. For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Didn't Jesus die for all? And therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. There's a love, there's a compelling within, based upon what Christ has done for me. I can't fathom that people leave this earth every two seconds without an adequate witness of who Jesus is. In Europe, there are 515 billion people who still don't know Jesus. 2.7 billion in Eurasia. 1.3 in Northern Asia. 
531 billion in Latin America, Africa, 899 million. In Asia Pacific, 883 million. That includes uh, the Caribbeans. In North America alone, 273 million. If the world's population is at 77.7 billion, then the Assemblies of God statistics show us that 6.8 billion people are still lost in their sin and need Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when I hear and read statistics like these, I'm compelled. I'm challenged. I'm inspired to a new level of commitment to partner and to support missionaries, as well as to share the message of the good news, how Jesus Christ died for our sins, that we could be forgiven and given the gift of eternal life. There's a compelling within me that wants this world to know that Jesus saves. We value missions because of the command from above to go because of the cry from below. Could you go and warn them so they don't have to experience this torment? From the call from afar, come over and help us. Please tell us. And the compelling within, Christ's love compels us to go. That's why we value world missions, home missions, getting the message of Jesus Christ to the lost and dying. That's why we will continue to still reach out to all with hope and healing. Would you bow your heads with me?